Chapter Two of *The Turn of the Tide* by Eleanor H. Porter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Holly Robinson. *The Turn of the Tide* by Eleanor H. Porter, Chapter Two. It was not long before all Hutonsville knew the story and there was not a man, woman, or child in the town that did not take the liveliest interest in the little maid at Five Oaks, who had passed through so amazing an experience. To be lost at five years of age in a great city, to be snatched from wealth, happiness, and a loving mother's arms, only to be thrust instantly into poverty, misery, and loneliness, and then to be, after four long years, suddenly returned. No wonder Hutonsville held its breath, and questioned if it at all indeed were true. Bit by bit the little girl's history was related in every house in town, and many a woman, and some men, wept over the tale of how the little fingers had sewed on buttons in the attic sweatshop, and pasted bags in the ill-smelling cellar. The story of the cooperative housekeeping establishment in one corner of the basement kitchen, where she, together with Patty and the twins, divvied up the day's haul. That, too, came in for its share of the exclamatory adjectives, as did the account of how she was finally discovered through her finding her own name over the little cot-bed at Montlawn, the little bed that Mrs. Kendall had endowed in the name of her lost daughter, in the children's vacation home for the poor little waifs from the city. And to think of her finding her own baby just by giving some other woman's baby a bit of joy, cried Mrs. Merton, of the old red farmhouse when the story was told to her but there ain't that what she's always doin for folks something to make em happy didn't she bring my own child sadie and the boy bobby back from the city and ain't sadie gettin well and strong on the farm here and it's a comfort to me too when i remember twas bobby who first found the little margaret cryin in the streets there in new york and took her home to my sadie twan't much sadie could do for the poor little lamb but she did what she could till old Sullivan got his claws on her and kept her shut up out of sight. But there, what's past is past, and there ain't no use frettin' over it. She's home now, in her own mother's arms, and I'm thinkin' it's the world whole town that's rejoicin'. And the whole town did rejoice, and many and various were the ways the townspeople took to show it. The Hutonsville Brass Band marched in full uniform to Five Oaks one evening, and gave a serenade with red fire and rockets, much to Mrs. Kendall's embarrassment and Margaret's delight. The Ladies' Aid Society gave tea with Mrs. Kendall and Margaret as a kind pivot around which the entire affair revolved, this time to the embarrassment of both Mrs. Kendall and her daughter. The minister of the Methodist Church appointed a day of prayer and thanksgiving in commemoration of the homecoming of the wanderer and the town poet published in the Hutonsville Banner a forty-eight-line poem on the lost and found. Nor was this all. To Mrs. Kendall it seemed that almost every man, woman, and child in the place came to her door with inquiries and congratulations, together with all sort of offerings, from flowers and frosted cakes to tidies and worked bedspreads. She was not ungrateful, certainly, but she was overwhelmed. Not only the cakes and the tidies, however, gave Mrs. Kendall food for thought during those first few days after Margaret's return, 
from the very nature of the case it was of necessity a period of adjustment and to mrs kendall's consternation there was every indication of friction if not disaster for four years now her young daughter had been away from her tender care and influence and for only one of those four years the last had she come under the influence of any sort of refinement or culture and then under only such as a city missionary and an overworked school-teacher could afford supplemented by the two trips to montlan to be sure behind it all had been margaret's careful training for the first five years of her life and it was because of this training that she had so quickly yielded to what good influences she had known in the last year the alley however was not five oaks and the standards of one did not measure to those of the other it was not easy for mag of the alley to become at once margaret kendall the dainty little daughter of a well-bred fastidious mother to the doctor the doctor who had gone to newark and brought margaret home and who knew her as she was miss kendall went for advice what shall i do she asked anxiously a hundred times a day the dear child's speech movements and actions are not what i like them to be and yet if i correct each one twill be a continual don't all day why doctor the child will hate me as if any one could do that smiled the doctor and at the look in his eye mrs kendall dropped her own the happiness that had come to her with this man's love was very new she had scarcely yet looked it squarely in the face the child is so good and loving she went on a little hurriedly that it makes it all the harder but i must do something only this morning she told the minister that she thought hewtonsville was a bully place and that the people were tip-top her table manners poor child i ran away from the table and cried like a baby the first time i saw her eat and yet perhaps the very next thing she does will be so dainty and sweet that i could declare that the other was all a dream doctor what shall i do i know i know nodded the man i have seen it myself but dear she'll learn she'll learn wonderfully fast you'll see it's in her the gentleness and the refinement she'll have to be corrected some of course it's out of the question that she shouldn't be but she'll come out straight her heart is all right mrs kendall laughed softly her heart doctor she exclaimed just there lies the greatest problem of all the one creed of her life is to divvy up and how i'm going to teach her ordinary ideas of living without shattering all her faith in me i don't know why harry mrs kendall's voice was tragic she gazes at me with round eyes of horror because i have two coats and two hats and two loaves of bread and haven't divvied up with someone who has none so far her horrors tempered by the fact that as she is sure i didn't know before that there were any people who did not have all these things now that she has told me of them she confidently looks to me to do my obvious duty at once the doctor laughed as if you weren't always doing things for people he said fondly then he grew suddenly grave the dear child i'm afraid that along with her education and civilization her altruism will get a few hard knocks but she'll get over that too you'll see at heart she's so gentle and why what he broke off with an unspoken question his eyes widely opened at the change that had come to her face 
"'Oh, nothing,' returned Mrs. Kendall, almost despairingly. "'Only, if you had seen Joe Bagley yesterday morning, I'm afraid you'd have changed your opinion of her gentleness. She—she she fought him—' Mrs. Kendall stumbled over her words, and flushed a painful red as she spoke them. "'Fought him? Joe Bagley?' gasped the doctor. "'Why, he's almost twice her size!' "'Yes, I know, but that didn't seem to occur to Margaret,' returned Mrs. Kendall. "'She only saw the kitten he was tormenting, and, well, she rescued the kitten, and then administered what she deemed to be fit punishment there and then. When I arrived on the scene, they were the center of an admiring crowd of children,' Mrs. Kendall shivered visibly, "'and Margaret was just delivering herself of a final blow that sent the great bully off blubbering.' "'Good for her!' It was an involuntary tribute, straight from the heart. "'Harry!' gasped Miss Kendall. "'Good! A delicate girl! No, no, of course not,' murmured the doctor, hastily, though his eyes still glowed. "'It won't do, of, of course, but you must remember her life, her struggle for very existence all those years. She had to train her fists to fight her way. I—' "'I suppose so,' admitted Miss Kendall faintly, but she shivered again, as if with a sudden chill. End of chapter 2